welcome back to the pen and podcast this is episode 34 Eddie, yes you check on that 34 i'll give it a check <laughs> try to use my mouse again which isn't plugged in ah. <clears throat> all right episode i believe it is 34 but we have a shirt jesus here we go there we go and... okay uh you're uploading 33, so yes, this is 34. 34. Let's go. All right. And something that we're doing different instead of our normal, you know, game uh, discussions. I mean, we've had different kind of episodes on here. We, we talked about one of our first ones was uh, the lifting and game on Expo. Oh, yeah, I remember about. that. And then that we, was had, early. Yeah. we had an interview with <clears throat> Seth. Seth, sorry, Seth. And his actually, there's more details coming out about his game that we interviewed him about. <laughs> so I'll probably do another uh, episode on that because that's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. Um, that was a cool gonna conversation. Be, that's right. We're gonna be doing a film analysis slash discussion. I would say film discussion. We're not really analyzing. Yeah. We're 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 not that much of a critic to analyze, but Eddie is though. He wrote a whole uh, one-page review on what a movie we're watching that we watched, uh, American Psycho from 2000. Nice. Uh, with Christian Bale in it. And yep. he wrote a great, great review. Like, in terms of today, like, I can see, I can see you, if you wrote that review back in 2000, you would still, it would still be perfect. It would be great. Damn. Thank you. You gave it Appreciate a perfect that. rating too, which I did. I also, yeah. I also noticed. I was like, he he barely gives perfect ratings for music, <laughs> so I want to pick his brain on why he why yeah. this was. You've never seen it before, right? But you've seen the memes. I've seen the memes everywhere, yeah, and I've yeah. also seen the completely irrational idolization of Patrick Bateman all over the internet for the last like year. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely, we got some insight on that. But that's what we're gonna yeah. be doing. But first, well, we're gonna do every episode like how we've been doing, uh, how you doing, what you're playing. Question uh, intro. This is our intro. What yeah. Are you playing. What are you doing? Uh, I'm still playing CS a lot. That's all I've been doing. And then uh, graduated college on Saturday. That was cool. Congratulations. Bachelor's degree boy. Bachelor's degree gang. Uh, Yeah, so I did that. It was hot as fuck in the building. And uh, it's been raining here for like the past like eight days. Like constantly raining. It's like Seattle vibe. Crazy. So it's been wet. And got my big coat on. So, yeah. Uh, here when I left work. Oh wow! All right, get the desert rain. Hell yeah! It smells. Um, it's like Colorado. It smells like the exact. Oh okay. I thought you were gonna say it smells dusty or something. (laughs) Nah. Um, let's see what else. Um, I still don't know if I technically graduated or not because my final grades aren't due till the eighteenth. So um two of my teachers have not submitted so t- i really don't know if the degree that they gave me is legitimate or not yeah pretty much could be just a worthless piece of paper um but i'm pretty confident so yeah um what else i 
been doing my music music reviews and then ever since zach sort of discussed that we should uh do you know more movie stuff on the podcast here i've been watching some some movies and whatnot i i uh i watched world war z and uh, um i also watched uh inglorious bastards which is one of my favorite movies ever that's a great oh, one. Glorious um, Bastards. Uh, Martin Scorsese. Not Martin Scorsese. No, who does that? Um, Tarantino. 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 Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll definitely be watching his stuff. Yeah, that's a great movie. I just love Brad. I Brad Pitt's probably one of my favorite actors. That's why I watch World War Z also. Oh, oh yeah. Makes but, sense. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think Brad Pitt in that movie is awesome. But, uh, yeah, so I did the, uh, we watched, I also watched the movie that we're going to talk about here today and um definitely you know i did some research on uh the adaptation from the book and some research on the um sort of the motives and how it connects to who directed it and uh stuff like that so i wrote up a review on that and uh, i was pretty proud of that one being my first movie review it felt pretty cohesive and i was pretty happy with what turned out Dude, i'm gonna take and the then title. Uh, i'm gonna take the title of that review and i'm gonna put it as the title of the pot of the episode oh. I, I like it <laughs> i thought that was funny explain <laughs> the fragility of the finance bro like, that's, <laughs> that's perfect especially like it's, nowadays it's perfect yeah my inspiration for the title <laughs> was uh well like the general i mean we'll talk about this in a little bit but like the people that idolize that character are the douchey finance bros that I see at my business school. Oh, like man. it's they're all like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I don't know. I thought that was funny because like whenever I see people like oh Patrick Bateman he's so misunderstood he's just like me bro he's just like me. Whenever I see people like that, it's always like the fucking bottom of the barrel Andrew Tate fucking red pill alt-right bullshit oh, business man. school people and i'm like oh my god dude. yeah literally trash of the earth they're very hateful and they're horrible people so i just had to sprinkle a little a little roast in there <laughs> but uh yeah that's been my existence lately what about you right. well i've been in very much playing a new game that i Ooh. I didn't. I. I did. I tell you like um. It, was, it came out in December. It was called Marvel's Midnight Suns. Did I tell you I was a little bit excited for that? I think I heard you talk about it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I was turned off from it because one, it's like, it's tactical gameplay. You know how like, you move players across like a board, right? And your right, your positions matter. Uh, but it was it was with cards. So like the combat is with cards, but the movement like it's across like a battlefield. Huh. Okay. So it's weird. And it's like Slay the Spire, but like you're moving your characters also. Okay. And so how the battlefield works is that like there's environmental stuff. So like mm-hmm. I could like take a, bo- like a, like a fucking a big box and just chuck it at somebody. I could okay. kill, like an electrical box, stuff like that. There's propane okay. tanks. There's like a, a, a light fixture I can just topple down. But it's with mm. Marvel heroes. Okay. So like it looked really fun, and then like the card, and then like the the gameplay released. I was like, oh, cards. It's like, <laughs> and then I learned that like half the game is like sort of a. So in your downtime, you're you're in this place called the Abbey, 
where you like socialize different heroes take part in like basically you build up their friendship right and, re and it reflects like how they are in combat different buffs stats stuff like that it's basically XCOM, but marvel interesting so it's, it's like okay so it's like tactical shooter not even shooter it's like well it's, not shooter but yeah. like tactical it's like XCOM. so it's like tactical shooter plus slay the spire plus hearthstone plus uh marvel marvel yeah? plus like kind of like it's called like persona elements it's like a, a social okay. social elements okay Huh. And like depending on your answer to some heroes, they're not gonna like it. Like this one woman, I like, I like you. You can join like a hangout. You can like invite the character to go like get drinks, work out, mm -hmm. you know, lit uh like battle, like practice battle, you know, stuff like sure. that. I, I took this woman to go like to like an overpass, just like have a deep, one of them was a deep conversation, and okay. this character likes to keep to themselves, so they did not like me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, damn it! So not, so not like so they have like social traits and stuff. Traits and like their friendship level will go up or down oh, okay. and their answers and stuff. Sure. Um, I, there's a club. I I can join clubs. I'm I'm in the emo club. Hell yeah! It's it's an abbreviation. It doesn't make sense, but it's like mystical. It's the mystical club, pretty much. All right. So like wizardry club. Yeah, you got heroes like Doctor Strange, Spider Man. Oh, okay. yep. Your um the player character is this like demon hunter that's been resurrected over three for, for three centuries. Finally like resurrected to take down like another demon, pretty much. It's like nice terrorizing the world. That's cool. Uh I got Blade in there. I got Iron Man. Yep. <clears throat> so far. I will unlock more characters. Um who else do I unlock? This girl named Magic, part of the X Men. I got like two mm. X Men people on there. Scarlet Witch is in the game. It's like nice. Wanda Maximoff. So yeah, stuff like that. And it's I was really fun. Like I was playing Jedi Survivor, and then like when the Marvel game came in, I just put it in to download it to my PS Five. And then I was like, I was getting ready to play. I was like, man, I kind of want to get up to put Jedi Survivor in right now. <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try Marvel Midnight Suns. So I did it. I was like, I was like, hey yo, hey, whoa, yo. Let, let me sit up. This is this is interesting, and that's <laughs> shit fire, bro. That's what I've been playing. But like, nice. also been on like some like car car rides. I've just been playing. Um, I was actually at the, oh, on the Switch when uh, my girlfriend was getting her glasses. I was yeah. Um, <laughs> I was playing that at the office while she. I was waiting. I was playing Mario. Hell yes. Ultimate pastime yeah. in the in the in the <laughs> optical office. That's right. And I just remembered I have to cancel this upload because I forgot to censor stuff that you said. Oh yeah, that's shocks to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, watched American Psycho again. I've already seen the movie, but like I was so excited for him to watch it for the first mm. time that like uh, my girlfriend, when she's never seen it, and oh nice. And I, I read her, like, parts of your review, and she was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Uh, when you said the part about, um, what is it? Uh, the 
the fridge like how it ah oh, he's like he has to like the dominate women to be validated mm. that whole sex issue like, she was like yes <laughs> yes that's what we like well thank you i appreciate tell her thank you he said thank you so that's what i've been watching been playing marvel midnight suns and like I, I, I remember telling you that like, ah oh man, the social aspect and the cards kind of threw me off. I'll buy it for, yeah. I'll buy it for like thirty bucks. I paid twenty seven yeah. for like a, like the deluxe edition of the game. Oh nice. So, oh, yeah. always physical. Bargain, bargain. Hell and yeah. So like, and uh, this content creator that I follow, uh, his name's Lord Cognito. He. He's like singing the. He loves this game. He was singing the praises of this game ever since it came out, right? And um, I finally played a couple hours of it, and I I tweeted um, a picture of like of like some gameplay, but I quote retweeted that with a picture of that guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like the the short kind of Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, <laughs> where he has like no glasses on. He's like, I get it now. Oh. <laughs> between bad to him like i was not to judge this game <laughs> <laughs> i understand it's so yeah. much better yeah that's uh, funny it, yeah i love this game it's moment like, you take, it's it's so cool you have different outfits and everything that you can have oh yeah oh captain marvel's in it that's right i forgot oh, okay captain marvel's nice. in it. it's so cool i am having a lot of fun with that hell yeah and uh, now that Amazing. you have more time Correct. Are you gonna delve deep into more different genres? Um, I think honestly, like, I think the movie route has been quite interesting to me because, like, I've kind of ignored movies my whole life. Like, I know that sounds like a strange yeah. statement, but like, I uh, I never really, I don't know. I just never really like sought out movies like i didn't watch a lot of movies in high school with you guys like you guys went to a lot more i just wouldn't like i didn't go or like yeah i don't watch them at home like i don't know it's weird like i could probably i mean i've seen a lot of movies but i feel like i've seen quite a bit less than the average person um yeah so i don't know i think i'm gonna realm a little bit more on the side and uh yeah i just i restrung all my guitars too so i've been okay. playing that a little bit more and then um ishan is about to drop a new, another song we listened to it the other day I, I yeah waiting for this yeah it's pretty good he Wait, uh Ishan, if you don't see me right now <laughs> i got my hand on my yeah. invisible watch yeah but he played it at the uh had a little barbecue after graduation and he played it and i was i was impressed it was it was pretty good so yeah definitely uh look look out for ishan on the spotify upload but yeah that definitely so, he's yeah. her song is iconic like it's I really can, good dude it's really like, good i can already know like the words of it like I, as i'm thinking of it now right it's good yeah yeah great cutesy little love song right. i love that song it's great um yeah. fucking i was playing fallen i was playing jedi survivor and yeah. i think i told you my impressions of it so far did i tell you about this um the frog boss 
Yeah. yeah. I already told you about that. I haven't gone yeah. back to it. It's pissed me off. Okay. <laughs> that's that's fine. Uh, yeah. I already told you all about that. But that's really all I've been playing. I played a big, it was like a big session last night. I was just straight mm. playing that. Grinding. Grinding Hell yeah. Marvel Midnight Suns. So let's go. Fires. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited about the filming. I've seen a lot of movies. Yep. But I, I'm not crossing that border of I know what kind of film to watch. Like the, oh. the film bros. I'm not. A <laughs> you don't want to be a a snob. A snob. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, this Marvel movie, horrible. Four out of ten. <laughs> you don't want to have that Tip hyper like that like super like eclectic taste to the point where it's like kind of cringy yes yeah. i want to enjoy <laughs> watching yeah. movies yeah pretty much yeah. it's i mean yeah. we probably we'll talk about some bad ones but we'll see yeah it's the first one <laughs> yeah so let's get let's get into it so why a 10 out of 10 as your first Why film review. Wow. Okay. Well, let me sort of recall. Let me pull up my little page here on the half tab. Hold on. Almost there. Ooh, that's a lot. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, that was Reese Witherspoon? I didn't know. I didn't know that was her. Oh, his uh, his fiance? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So why did I give it a 10? So when I uh, when I give an album a 10, so basically like, okay, before I did this review, let me go to my main page. Um, I rewrote my music reviewing like method and philosophy and then I kind of like added it or I added like a separate part of my bio on, on my rate your music about like how I go into movies and basically like with a 10 album, like what do I like, what qualities do I look for in a 10 album? Like the biggest one for me is like constant attention. Like there's no point in which I have any desire to break away from the experience. Like it's hard to turn it off. It's hard to disengage. Everything is like a plot detail. Correct. Yeah. Um, and the way that manifested in this movie was uh i think um he is uh patrick bateman is like such a um he's such a terrible person but his existence is so interesting to me um cuz obviously he's a he's a satire of some of some themes that we'll talk about in a minute, but, um, his, yeah, it's just like when he would narrate himself and say those, like, you know, all the, the stupid edgy videos on TikTok where he's like, you can shake my hand and while I may have flesh and blah, blah, blah. And I have all the qualities of human being. I am simply not there. Like when he was saying that shit, like, it's so like, it's so like, outrageous and interesting to have yeah. a to witness Out- someone's existence like that like right? yeah one of them like the, the one i i remember the most and it's so interesting he's like 
there is an illusion there, there there's an illusion of a patrick bateman right oh yeah Somebody vision said, yeah mm-hmm. there's yep. an illusion of a patrick bateman but i am simply not there like, yeah like wow like mm-hmm. how i interpret that is that like his real like i, I don't even know i i think i'm like stumped yeah um i think basically like i mean there's some like most of the challenging part with his character is that most of it is like a an exaggeration obviously but like there are some traits of like severely um uh psychopathic individuals where they're like because they lack empathy to such a high degree they have no way to create their own personality um so like when he says like there's a there's a symbol or an idea of what patrick bateman is it's basically just him copying you know how he says he wants to fit in all the time you remember yeah. that yeah he, that's a yeah. constant theme like he, yeah he tells his fiance he's like oh, what, what what was he saying that like he wanted to attend something right in the car uh like the first scene with both of them oh yeah yeah yeah. i remember she was like i want to attend why do you even want to go to that like you don't even like the guys there or whatever and he's like and like he's like i'm just trying to fit in yeah the way he says he's like because i want i'm trying to fit in in yeah um yeah i think um because he has no capacity for empathy or um has no self-awareness um he's completely incapable of developing a personality for himself so basically by fitting in he just seeks to copy some sort of idealistic uh character caricature of what a uh up upscale uh white businessman is in a societal view um so he like strives for that because he has no capacity to create anything for himself. So that's what he goes for is he reaches for that idealistic fit, individual that fits in um, because he has he has no ability to create his own his own life for himself because he is so emotionally stunted. Yeah, so but like. Let, let's just talk about what happens, like the plot. So let's talk about the yeah. plot of the film. So like it opens with his. um. It's like is no right. It opens with um, both with them at the uh, at a restaurant, right? And uh, yeah, they're uh, him and the douchebag bros. Yeah, yeah. It, he says he says a little bit of narration in there. Uh, let's see. I forgot, but it, it, like that doesn't even matter. Like the whole plot of this film is we see Patrick Bateman, like. Sh- like strung of murders like that he just commits with reason and without reason and would you see him the next day go to work yes right but what this movie film is like centrally about and what it's what like the main thing is that like he kills his business like his his business associate uh, he knows i won't even say i'm an associate his name's Paul Allen, who's played by Jared Leto. Jared Leto. <laughs> and I saw this like Jared Leto. What? Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, uh, he's been active for a long time. So, like, what started was it like these these like these finance bros, these stockbrokers, uh, the, the yuppies of the 
the late 80s and like the like kind of the mid to late 80s yeah they are all trying to be they're, they're chasing the same thing which leads to them having the same exact personality and sometimes yeah. the same haircut <laughs> when paul allen walks in he confuses patrick bateman for halbert halberstram whatever his yeah, name is yeah that guy yep he confuses for a different person and right there well not, i don't think he, he decides to kill him right there but like that's that's what it's all about he, he confuses this person tricks paul allen into coming to like a restaurant with him yep. and then tricks him to go into his apartment fucking kills paul allen and then, like a detective, like uh, a private detective comes and stuff, figures out all this stuff. But like, I'm explaining this plot very terribly. So you got the basic gist. And as like throughout the movie, like there's just different instances of him killing random. Like when he kills, he kills like this, this homeless dude. Yep, and, and the dog. Yeah, you, you know. can tell. Like, do you think he was genuinely trying to help that guy? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, that the whole point of that scene was to express um an insecure male's desire for ultimate power over others. Um because when you have a it, it even comes with the fact that he's standing and the homeless man is sitting. Um because to for Patrick to satiate his complete lack of personal security and horrible self-esteem, mm-hmm. he berates him and tells him how shitty he is for being poor. Why don't you just get a fucking job? Like saying shit like that. Yeah. And then the ultimate like uh like the ultimate like message of that little scene was like um you know a real a real man that is that insecure is obviously not going to murder people like that's that's where the character in the movie is you know it's like the fictional bit but like um very hyper insecure men um will do the same thing where they'll like you know they'll do things to belittle people below them that's and then when patrick kills him that's like an expression of that hyper insecurity that he has because he has so much he he feels he has so much power because he has money and he has sex with these women and he has a job and a corporate personality and all this shit and it's just an expression of power so he can fulfill his own insecurity and uh he takes his insecurity out on the weak and the, the weak in that example is a small animal and a homeless person yeah, yeah, and that's just one. That's just one of his like many murders. Like, yes, <clears throat> it, it gets to the point where towards the end, he is like on a string of like just multiple. I think it starts, it starts when like he, the second time around where you lose that like that one uh, I think prostitute into the when car. she's run down the stairs. Yeah, he's she's running down the stairs and fucking drops a chainsaw and kills her. <laughs> Right? Crazy. <laughs> oh, like, that's wild. Oh my god. That's in Paul Allen's apartment. Yeah. Right. So like after that, he just goes on to kill you. Like he'll, like he's just kinda like running away from the cops and everything, starts shooting yeah. them. Yeah. Think there's a helicopter chasing him and stuff. Confesses yeah. to, like his whole murder spree. Yeah. And then like the next day he just kinda just shows up casually. He confesses to his lawyer. Like he gives his whole like a phone call, confesses to his lawyer like a voicemail, 
right? Sees his lawyer the next day and is like, "Hey, did you get my? Did you get my voicemail?" He's like, "Oh, dude, yeah, that was hilarious." <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, what? What do you mean? What? He's, he's like, he like, no. multiple times he tells him, "I killed him. Like, I killed many people," and he he starts to get like he starts to get weirded out. He's like, he's like, I'm not. This is not funny anymore. He's like, I killed Paul Allen. He's like, it's impossible. He's like, why is it impossible, you stupid bastard? You stupid bastard. He's like, why not, you why stupid bastard? And his reason is, <laughs> like, I just had dinner with Paul Allen 10 days ago. Yeah. And like, yeah. right there. I'm going to read the summary from IMDB because I feel like I wasn't given like a good one. That was pretty pretty good. And, okay. A wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, hides his alternate alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he delves deeper into his violent hedonistic what? Hedonistic Hedonistic. Hedonistic? Well, I've never yep. heard of that word. Hedonistic <laughs> fantasies. In the late nineteen eighties, twenty seven year old Wall Street Wall Streeter Patrick Bateman travels among a closed network of proverbial beautiful people that closed network in the only what? That closed network and only they able to allow others like themselves in a feeling of superiority. Patrick has a routine, routinized, routinized. I cannot speak today. Okay. Routinized? That's not true. Like a routine. How do you say routine past tense? Uh, I guess routinized has it spelled R O U T I N I Z E D E D. Routinized. Routinized. Yeah. Yeah. Morning regimen to maintain his appearance of attractiveness and fitness. He, like those mm -hmm. in his network, are vain, narcissistic, eagle man, eagle maniac. Oh my god, <laughs> eagle maniacal. What the fuck? Ego maniacal, ego maniacal, <laughs> and competitive, always having to one up everyone else in that presentation of oneself. But he, unlike the others, realizes that for himself, all of these are masks to hide what is truly underneath. Someone slash something inhuman in nature. In other words, he is, comp he is comprised of a shell resembling a human that only contains greed and disgust. Greed and wanting, wanting that what others may have, and disgust for those who do not meet his expectations and for himself and not being the first or the best. That disgust ends up manifesting itself in wanting to rid the world of those people. He not seeing them as people, but only of those characteristics he wants to rid. That yes. was from a Huggo. What is Huggo? Huggo? What? That was like the, the summary. Was it, what was from oh. the plot author? Thank oh, you, I see. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. Thanks, thanks Huggo. I was yeah, like, what you. the fuck does that word mean? I was like, what? <laughs> Courtesy of Huggo. But Hell that yeah. Is, that thanks. Is, this movie is just about hit this delusional man who is a psychopath yeah parading around as a banking executive in yep. mid to late 1980s yes going like he's he's already in madness it's slipping he even says it in the yep. movie it's like i feel his i feel myself my mask slipping more yeah. and more yeah he's like in the tanning bed he's like my nightly bloodlust has yeah. transferred into the day yeah, like oh my god dude <laughs> God. crazy it, it wants it's just wanting you to keep watching I was like what is he gonna do next yeah like, what is he doing? yeah what is he going to do 
uh, it's incredibly interesting. I think he's a fantastic character. Yeah. Which so like I I wrote I copied from um. I actually IMDb it's no the film analysis what is this called. The University of North Carolina. Question okay. like a film analysis. So right. let's, let's talk about the narrative. So how does this how does the film correspond to the three act structure? Act one setup, act two confrontation, and act three resolution. We we can argue that act three was it resolved? Um, from a uh from like a good guy wins point of view, no, it's not resolved because nothing changes. Nothing but changes. from a from a messaging standpoint, it is resolved because the message is solidified. Um, the final part of the message is solidified in the third act, um, and that that specific the specific uh, outcome message from the third act is um, the imbalance of socioeconomic states um, in uh, when you get things like uh, class privilege and stuff like that. So the third act really. It, it highlights um, how invincible um, very wealthy white men are in society. That's the point of the third act, because um, Patrick goes on this crazy murder spree, like he fucking shoots an old lady at an ATM, and he's running from the cops, and he's shooting at a cop car and shit, and then he runs into his 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 office, and he calls his lawyer, he's like, I did it all, I killed all those people, I killed the prostitutes, blah, 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 blah. he's like whining and crying. And uh, then he walks out of the office, goes home, goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, takes a nice shower, and then he goes to brunch with his douchey finance bro friends. Um, and essentially what that is showing us is that um, despite all of his actions, um, he received no consequences. Um, and though he received no consequences because of his status as a wealthy white business man. Um, wealthy people, um, the, uh, the social, the social state of that, of that sector of the economy, all of those people will protect each other in order to preserve that money-making circle that they're in. Mm -hmm. So if Patrick Bateman goes to jail for murdering, who, who gets hit by that? The shareholders at his company, his coworkers at the company, and then the reputation of the company, those are all going to get affected by that. If um, Patrick Bateman and uh, gets convicted for his murders, and they um, they create a big like crime scene at the at Paul Allen's apartment, then the property owner of the apartment complex is going to take a huge hit in his property values. So, covering up the murders instead will retain that sort of that high status of the building, and people will continue to want to buy into that, and then. Um, you can make some sort of argument for like a uh, sort of a, a racial or a white privilege, um, mostly because um, there. I don't. I don't think there's any black characters in the whole movie. This guy's the I homeless don't, guy. Well, sorry, and there's a point right there we can talk about um, the you know the the rich, powerful white man asserting his dominance over the weak, poor, uh, homeless black man. There's a racial angle to that. Um, so that's where that kind of that white privilege, class privilege idea comes through. But that's mostly from what the third act is for. Yeah. So like, um, so act one, the setup, we see his, we we're introduced to his psychopathic tendencies. Yes. Him narrating to himself 
Yep. Like he's some someone like above somebody else. Like he even Correct. speaks. He speaks to us, the audience, like we're idiots. He he gives us his <laughs> That's whole. true. He gives us his whole like bathroom routine, like his whole morning routine. Yeah. He's like. This scrub is for this. And this scrub is for that. In his cabinet with the fucking... If I wake oh up with God. coffee, I'll put on an... Uh, oh, yeah, man. Mask. Like Dumps that. his face in the cold water and right. shit. Oh, my and God. And, I mean, like, you're introduced to that. And you're like, okay. I mean, it's weird, but... Yeah. It's his morning routine. Sure. And then, like... What was the first... Like, I don't think his morning routine indicated anything that, like, he's a psychopath. Like, he's a murderer yet. But no, I think yeah. the first thing we see was when he was at the cl- he was at a club after work, and he was ordering drinks. It was all loud and everything. Oh, yeah. People. And oh. Then he, he has these, like, tickets. <gasps> he has these tickets for, like, uh drinks or whatever. And Lady's yeah. like, hey, we don't accept these. It's going to be twenty seven fifty or whatever. And yeah. he goes back to, like, to get the drinks, and he's like, I want to murder you and like feel your blood in your guts and rub it all over, or whatever. Yeah, like some and, out of pot. I just remember how unexpected that was. Yeah, like she turns around, he's like, I'd like to fucking slit your throat. Blah, 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 blah. He's just screaming that out loud, like, Holy shit, right? And then, like, nothing. I, I first thought, I was like, uh, I was <laughs> he's like, blown she, away. She, I was like, And she didn't, she didn't hear it. Yeah, it's either one. It's like the, the different angles of this movie. Like the the things he says and does are so convenient to his status that like mm. it goes unnoticed. Or two, it's just a psychotic delusion. That like when when do we see him dip in and out of like psychosis? Yeah, that's the angle I like to like explore. And I like how yeah. yours is grounded in reality, and mine's like there are multiple parts in this movie where we're like. For for example, I'm fast forwarding, but like, when he's going to the ATM to withdraw cash, he's a lot. He's a big cash person for some reason. Yeah, I mean, like credit cards, are like kind of new at that point, I think. Or that's are true. They? Yeah, uh, I think by the '80s, I think they were kind of normal. I don't know if they were like everyone used them, but like they were they were known. I think yeah. he had I don't a know, lot though. of cash on him. Yeah, at all times. I that's just like flex another thing of his definitely a flex ego, for sure yeah ego. but yeah the atm was like hey, he picks up a stray cat for like whatever reason maybe he has a kindness in his heart to pick up a stray cat and then it's like feed me the stray cat and i'm like <laughs> yeah i was like no way like, what no the way. fuck he, he's yeah. like and, and then like and then he goes to kill the cat because it won't fit in yeah the damn atm yeah. I was like, oh, God, he's losing it. He's losing it so yeah. much. But, like, the lady that comes is... over, and they, all we see is that, like, he has a gun pointed to a cat. <laughs> That's the grounded <laughs> reality of it. But, like, yeah. the audience sees his psychosis moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, There are – there's an interesting I, – I looked at a little bit about the book because this is a – this is an adaptation of a book. Yep. Um, So in the, in the book, um, he's described as a – unreliable narrator because the book is narrated from his perspective um and an unreliable narrator narrator in books um is basically the narrator of the of the book cannot be trusted you don't know what they're saying if it's true or not so i think that's how that was portrayed into the movie is like those moments of like did he actually just fucking say that like what the fuck like yeah yeah and like i like to interpret those as his like 
dips into psychosis where absolutely nobody, yeah that's, nobody hears that is what exactly says. what it is yeah it's like nobody yeah. hears what he says because he's thinking of it in his mind and like yeah mm -hmm. we see that yeah yeah and that's that's such a great thing like a big thing i comment i commented on um with like why this movie is so interesting um in terms of like its its world and like the happenings within the world is like how ethereal and kind of like dreamy it is like you don't really know like what's happening if like oh is this a real event or like is this like happening in his brain or like yeah. you don't know um because there's moments like towards the end in the third act like we talked about when he's shooting that cop car and it just combusts like I was you like, know there's moments like that like what the fuck like you gotta have like yeah. a david and goliath type luck one yeah to, like to shoot like like the only way that's possible is like shooting the engine for it to combust yeah. like that, or like yeah. hitting or, or or shooting like where the gas is stored, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, so like, sure, it's possible, but it's that's not the point. The point is, right? Did this happen or not? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely some like kind of dreamy things that go on like another another one i can point out that i haven't seen anybody really talk about is uh so uh before he runs up into his office to uh confess his crimes he goes into the other building which is next to it yeah and the security guard calls him by a different name like he knows him he says hello mr smith or some shit like that and then he just fucking bam like shoots him yeah, just kills him yeah but he calls him by a different name and like it's kind of strange like but you're burning at that point i was Mr. questioning smith, if it's I think, said. I think he says mr smith or something but at that point i was questioning like does he even know his own name you know what i mean like right because at yeah. the end i think his own lawyer didn't even know who he was mm -hmm. he's like i'm yeah. patrick bateman like i did that yeah I, like, it's, it's me yeah. yeah right like, yeah oh. it's it's pretty amazing how uh and um, I don't know what other questions we have to go through, but do you have it? Is it in the doc? I don't want to like talk about too much. Okay, let me look at the doc. I'm gonna make one point if it's not if I can't answer it in a later question. I mean, we've kind of bounced around. Like this is this has turned into a discussion and not just an analysis at this point. Shared with me. Hold on, recent. <clears throat> there it is. Okay. Um. at the bottom oh, okay here we go um okay well i'll just i'll just point on like since we're talking about the questionability of the reality um and like how that uh converts into like uh production strategy for like what the director was doing so willem defoe's character is a detective um and he is basically like questioning patrick throughout several Several scenes of the movies. Yeah. So fun fact that I learned is they shot all of Willem Dafoe's parts in three ways. So they shot it in a way that um, Willem Dafoe is pretending that he knows that Patrick is the killer. The second is he does not know. And then the third is that he doesn't think it's him. And what they did in post is they mixed these scenes. So like, Stay at the restaurant when he's interviewing him, right? If they go to lunch together. Yeah. The lunch. Um, there are moments where it's like 
super weird. Like it'll change from, it seems like Willem Dafoe knows that Patrick is the killer. And then the very next minute, it's like, he has no idea. So they combine those three. Well, that's why Willem Dafoe is a fantastic acting performance in this movie is that he, they combined those three moods where he, and it's like that, that's, it adds more to the confusion and it's, it's very interesting. So yeah, I like that a lot. I'd actually argue that it, do you, so in that, um, in the lunch, in the lunch scene, do you think he mm. knows? Are you saying, what um, do you think? Or like, what, what was, um, because he's not a cop, he is a PI. He's not a cop. Um, I do believe that he knows. Um, and the reason that they, the reason that he knows and the, the way it connects to the end is, um, they're trying, so the PI is, this is a theory, the PI is hired by some corporate entity, so like maybe the business that Patrick works for, or maybe the property manager of Paul Allen's apartment or something. Uh, Kimball, the detective, detective says he was hired by Paul Allen's family. To do okay, there you go. So Paul Allen's family. So, um, we could connect that to the end by if the detective can confirm that it's Patrick, then they can do everything that they can to cover up his crimes from the actual police. You're right. Um, I didn't think about that either. Yeah. He could have said Paul Allen's family, but it could have yeah. been a corporate investigator. Corporate interest. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. And that would that would explain why he's so buddy buddy with Patrick, and he's not really trying to pin him down. Uh, when Patrick is absolutely failing at hiding his crimes, like when he's interviewing him in the office and he's being all suspicious and shit, and he's like, do you know where Paul Allen is? And he's like, oh, and he's like mixing up his story a bunch. And like, it's yeah. pretty obvious that he's connected to the crime somehow. But the PI, Willem Dafoe, is like, you know, playing this like clueless vibe. Like he has no fucking idea what's going on. So it's very possible. This is obviously a crazy a side theory but like it's possible that he's hired by some sort of corporate interest in order to preserve the integrity of the company um making sure that this guy does not get fired and that they can cover up what they need to yeah that because in that lunch scene he's like explains like well on the night that paul Allen, like um that, that he disappeared he was mixing up his stories until until the detective was listing off the names that he went to who went to dinner with Paul Allen. He's like, blah blah blah, and you, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, right. Yeah, oh, I, I, was I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's what he, he literally did. He's like, yeah. oh, I oh, I can't believe. Yeah, and I was, <laughs> like, I, I, was, on, I was like, dude, he knows, he knows. Yeah, and he's not mm -hmm. like he's not reported to the police. So that yeah. also reminds like. No, no, he has to be a corporate interest guy. So there's no way. Yeah, it's something. He, yeah. He, I'm pretty sure he knew after the first meeting. The first meeting he didn't Absolutely. know. And yeah. like, oh, man. Yeah. Basically, they were, they were trying to figure out if it was Patrick in order to protect him, not to convict him. Yeah. Um, because once they know who did it for sure, which was very obvious, even with the very little information that they knew, then they could protect him. Um because they know who to protect and who they can scapegoat instead. Yeah. If so, if we're yeah. going the corporate route, you know um when he's on the chain that you know you know the the string of murders they starts with the chainsaw. Yeah. The late the, the one of the women bangs on the door that she's running for her life. 
Ow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my girlfriend also was like, yo, like, you think they bought out everybody in that, like, apartment to move because yeah. of Patrick? But that's also Paul that's very Allen's possible. place. So that also... Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, that makes more sense because <laughs> if they discovered he was murdered there, yeah. or, like, that he was missing, I don't even know. Actually, yeah. it does make sense now. There's definitely, like, when we get into details like that, you kind of go back to that non-reality question. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it, there could be some sort of delusion in Patrick's mind, because a lot of the angles that I'll, we'll talk about, the um, the abuse of women uh, theme in this uh, in a little bit here, but uh, that could very much be, you know, like, um, to secure a kill that's challenging like you have to chase her to kill her like that's more rewarding um so that could be a delusion in his mind that he had to chase her so that idea that she was banging on the door and still nobody could stop him from killing her that just that just feeds his ego even more um that even though she did so much to run and she tried to get people to save her he still prevailed because he's the best and he can kill him you know what i mean so and like when she like kicked to get away He's like, yeah. the face so stupid. Face. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, that that just like that furthers just how pathetic he is. You know, he's he's in the process of murdering this this woman and he's still concerned about how he looks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, we can talk about like um I, I saw in an interview or something when I was like I first saw it, I was like researching like just like he was like everything about this. The director was like, "Yes, I I would lean on this as me more of like I I tried to make it as like a feminist kind of movie," and that's what it is. I agree. Yes. Okay. Good. I'll I'll. Can you explain that? Because I believe that, but I, it's one of those things where I, I can't explain that because I'm bad at right. explaining stuff sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what? So explain explain to us and the me and the audience like, why is it a feminist uh, movie? Okay. So there's let me go to my review i point out the big themes um i saw that yeah i'll go to your so there's i think let me go to it um additionally okay yeah so the three main themes like the the meta commentary of this movie are um toxic masculinity uh it's like so toxic masculinity there's a critique of capitalism and then there's a critique of class privilege Mm -hmm. so the feminist angle which i think is the most pertinent one in the movie is the is the toxic masculinity um so basically patrick bateman is a satire of toxic men Mm -hmm. so and and toxic men in this in this context are um, more traditionally masculine, um, meaning they um, they're very obsessed with male stereotypes, like having short hair, making a lot of money, um, um, conquering women. Um, those would be uh, symbols of a traditional man. Um, so a a traditional man, a successful traditional man, makes a lot of money, has a lot of sex, and protrudes everything about maleness so he has short hair he goes to the gym he works out he's buff he's angry he's aggressive he is dominant that's what a toxic man is in this um Mm -hmm. in 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 a general context 
So the reason that this this movie is such a feminist angle is it is a satire of that toxic man. So it it satirizes the those traits in a very extreme manner. So um, traditional men are extremely obsessed with making a lot of money. So we have Patrick and all of his finance buddies super obsessed with producing the most and consuming the most. So they must have the biggest account at work. They must have the nicest haircut. They must have the best apartment, things like that. So those are all traits of a toxic, uh, of a, a traditionally toxic man because they're extremely insecure with their own self. So they have to um, have have things to show why they're they're uh, better than other men. Yes. So like you'll see, to give a real world example, guys that drive massive trucks. Um, oh, yeah. Guys that uh, lease very expensive sports cars just to impress their friends, things like that. Um, and then the the bigger feminist angle in this movie would have to be um, so um, thematically, Patrick Bateman isn't just a murderer. Um, the murderer and rape of women in this movie is a uh, commentary on the need for these toxic men to dominate women in order to be um, validated by themselves and by their their buddies. So, um, very insecure men cannot have any sort of self-respect or self-esteem without conquering women. And that manifests itself in his obsession with pornography as well, um, because pornography is a male power fantasy, generally. And um, you'll see him in his apartment, like when he's working out, he's playing porn in the background, or he'll play the Texas Chainsaw Massacre clip while he's doing his sit-ups and shit on yeah. the ground. And she's screaming because it's a power fantasy. So um, the feminist angle is that it's, it is satirizing the helpless efforts of men, insecure men, to conquer women in order to feel secure in themselves. And, um, specifically when we look towards more of like the prostitution stuff, like where he's filming, you know, the, the iconic scene where he's like, don't just look at it, eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, that's, um, and that whole scene where he, he films it and he's like, look at himself in the mirror and he's like flexing yeah. and shit. Yeah. Um, basically it's just, um, I think, I think, um, it's the director, the, yeah, Mary, Mary, Har Mary Heron. Um, she's the director of this movie. Um, it was her idea to sort of put that scene in to make fun of hyper insecure men <laughs> because he's filming this sexual conquest that he paid for, by the way. Yeah, that's the funny. That's the, the ironic bit is like this is not a sexual conquest because he fucking paid for it, you know. So it's basically just like poking holes in all of um, that traditional like male mindset of like sexual conquest and dominating women and all that shit. Um, but I'll just kind of read my little short paragraph to summarize. <clears throat> so um, what I said on on the like the the feminist angle was additionally Bateman's obsession with pornography and sexual conquest commentates more into the fragility of his character and traditional male ideals. He has to dominate women to be validated by his peers and himself. 
Bateman's murders of these same women are the ultimate hyperbole of the domination and abuse of women by toxic traditional men. So um, the murders are a, um, what do you call it? A metaphor for domination and abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because another trait of very insecure, shitty men is that they will beat their wives, beat their girlfriends, uh, verbally abuse, mentally abuse, whatever. Uh, but the murders and the rapes are a uh, metaphor for abuse of women in order for shitty men like him to feel powerful because they have no power inside of themselves. Yeah. So that's good. that was that was kind of jumbled, but that's the feminist angle of the movie. Yeah. Uh, thank you for explaining that. Yeah. I understand more now. And there's multiple yeah. points where he, I find it funny. He's like, I have to re return some videotapes. <laughs> I can't, I don't know what that means. I can't figure that one out. Um, to me, I think that means, well, he rents porn. So like, maybe that's what, that's the best truth. guess I got. Yeah. But he says that's the that, best guess I got. He says that after breaking up with his fiance, yeah. He's like, but where are you going? He's like, I have to return some video. I have to. He like leans over. <laughs> yeah, at least whispers. Like, whisper, I have to return some video tapes. <laughs> oh god. I was like, is that like a cue for like? Is that his like mental cue that like I have to murder somebody right now? Because like I'm so... that could be another thing. Yeah. Because he's, he's only. I'm pretty sure he only says it twice during the film. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good point. I the only thing I could go back to is like he's talking about he's like got to go he's got to return his porn. Yeah, I think <laughs> maybe, but yeah, because it would make sense because we see him in the beginning of the film, like actually like watching it. But it's not yeah. that, or is that something that he recorded himself? No, I cause I think there was music in the back. It looked like a typical like porno. Yeah, I think the point of that scene was. Once again, like he is, uh, he is validating his insecurity by seeing women dominated sexually. Because yeah. if he can't do it himself, he has to see someone else do it in order to, um, kind of put himself in the driver's seat of the man in the video. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, because pornography is a way that I mean, not just men, but pornography is bad for everybody. Um, but, uh, for men specifically, it is a way for them to put themselves into a power fantasy that is not real so that they can feel better about being a dominant sexual being or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about, let me see. I had wrote this down. Um, um, let me see the cultural. So this came. Let's, let's talk about when this movie came out. A lot of people criticized the director. It was like, you hate women. That's why you made this movie. Like this woman, this movie is made absolutely for opposite, opposite. And, and, and people just didn't understand because, yeah. like, because I mean, I don't know what wave of feminism was 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 during the two thousands, but it's a lot more like. more informative like feminism is more, more um understanded to n now than what was in Agreed, 2000 yeah. because because of media to be honest like feminism was yeah. always like shown as like hippie hippie women 
is like yeah yeah like uh, equal rights you know yeah. like really yeah paid. until until the 70s feminism was entirely an underground social movement and then i wouldn't say really until probably the the late 2000s it wasn't really mainstream at all like it kind of died after the 70s because the uh the ERA was denied by the Supreme Court. Um, really, the the biggest victory of of the 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 mid century feminists was the Roe v. Wade. Um, but a lot of a lot of their other motives were shut down by the government. So, yeah, it kind of died off. I think by by the time this movie came out, I think it was starting to rebirth in a way um, into developing into what it is today. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like when this came out, do you think it was misunderstood? Absolutely. Yeah. Um a lot of in the 80s um you know, when we talk about the 70s that was sort of the end of the the counterculture. It sort of survived through other alternative communities like the punks and whatnot, but uh by the 80s it was it was less mainstream. Um, and American traditionalism sort of came back with the Reagan, fucking Reagan bullshit. But um, the I'd say the biggest change for um, like women in the '80s was the it was more common for women to work um, and be sort of the family figure at the same time. And um, so I think the progressiveness of that movement kind of faltered in the eighties, not because of their, it's not because of like women's not trying or whatever. It's mostly because the government was just kind of cramming it down into the dirt. Um, so by the two thousands, I think that the, um, the fervor of the seventies was sorting, st starting to grow again. I'm extremely miss it or undereducated on, on, you know, feminist history, but mm -hmm. this is like, from what I understand, I think by the two thousands, it was becoming, uh, less underground once again. And, um, this movie was clear, very clearly misunderstood by, yeah, I'm sure all I mean, kinds of people. When you watched it, I mean, you're first, I mean, I saw on your reviews, like this is a feminist movie. Like, absolutely. Yes. Because it's a satire of it. I, I think people just weren't, I, people I didn't like, get the joke. They, it, that's, that, that's that's literally it, it. They, they didn't, didn't get, get it the joke. yeah they didn't get the joke it was misunderstood yeah. and yeah. It, it was due to that current state of feminism at that point i believe i agree and yeah and like not to blame like the feminist movement but like to more blame the 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 society that it was that it was it was in um because like the biggest reason that feminist ideology is not um, taken seriously or, um, you know, pursued with like policy changes is because, uh, we live in a society dominated by maleness and male superiority and whatnot. And I think this movie is a, is a, um, an active fight against that. And it's like, it's critiquing that maleness that is suppressing the equal equality of women. Um, because when you have guys like Bateman and his fucking shitty finance bros, um, you know, dominating the world um, in whatever way, financially, 
via political connections uh and even their their own you know domestic abuse of their partners or whatever um there isn't much room for women to have the resources to break out of their suppression you know what i mean so yeah yeah uh well said another thing i want to say about the cultural and historical part of this is that there's multiple times in this movie where they do reference current events at that or supposedly at that at that time and what yeah, it, it takes place in eighty seven. It, it is in eighty seven. Nineteen eighty seven. Okay. But like it crosses into eighty eight because we see a, a a Christmas party sort of thing, and then time. Oh, that's right. Afterwards. Yep. Okay. yep. But we see that like they talk about uh, when Patrick is trying to like when they they go to this restaurant with like this very underground kind of indie restaurant with a, like with, with um somebody's like oh with the the goth the art people, people? Yeah, yeah the goths oh yeah that was, was a great part <laughs> like the goth people yeah he's like he's like we really shouldn't be worrying about that we should be worrying about people world hunger like oh was, yeah like, when he's like whittling off these, yeah yeah and, and yeah. i was like i was like wow he like how does how does somebody else not call him out on his bullshit he's like why are you trying mm-hmm. he's trying so hard but that's what he understands is fitting in yep exactly yeah and like how do people not see like 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 how do people look up to him when he says some shit like that yeah like how delusion like delusional how delusional can he be it's like look up to this figure because of what like of how successful he was. How successful he was is related to his dad being the CEO. Yeah. Right? He's not the CEO. His dad is or what that's what the his wife's fiance is saying is like your dad is the CEO. He probably he probably owns the company, so you don't have to do anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just don't understand. I like I how how much do you think Andrew Tate pulled from Patrick Bateman? Dude, well, <clears throat> the the angle that Andrew Tate is taking is actually like it is so like it's it's sickening. Like he he takes I don't know what I would say. He he's using every possible resource that is known in order to indoctrinate young young men not men but specifically young men um and andrew tate does this to not only further his economic pursuits but also his ideological pursuits because i feel that andrew tate is so incredibly i just like worthlessly insecure to the point where he feels that he needs to be idolized by thousands and thousands and thousands of teenage boys which is super weird first of all and then also he has to um live in this world where everyone thinks that he's like this you know the top g that's what i always see (laughs) um they like he has to have a whole bunch of impressionable young men idolize him in order for him to feel any sort of security in his own self-esteem um 
And Andrew Tate definitely pulls from uh, common, uh, like, isolated male stereotypes. So, like, uh, what, what would I what would I say? All the common ones, like um, Ryan Gosling in uh, that one movie. I can't remember what it's called. Fucking is it Drive? Is that what it's called? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'll just list some. That that Ryan Gosling character, the guy in Blade Runner. Uh, fucking uh, Patrick Bateman, Anakin Skywalker. I know. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. But basically, like, what those characters are generally, they're supposed to show why it's bad to be like an isolated, oh, toxic yeah. male. That's the point of those characters. But a lot of impressionable young men see their power. Like, Anakin is powerful, you know what I mean? And he's this lone wolf, and he doesn't need help from anybody. And he does all this amazing things, and he takes all this power. So it's like a power fantasy. So what um, Andrew Tate does is he uses attributes of those very uh, individualistic men to make young men feel like, oh, I can be powerful like them too. I can have sexual conquests like these men. I can, you know, and... The unfortunate thing is young men are are incredibly impressionable. And like, you know, both of us have have faltered, you know, whether we knew it or not, um, into those stereotypes. And that's just a a um, a result of the way society um, has created the image of a man, which is extremely toxic. Um, And uh, I think things are changing now, especially when we make conversation about this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, so I think Andrew Tate definitely borrowed from the book of the, uh, tortured male character, male lead character. Yeah. I definitely want cause you re- referenced that in your, in your review and yeah. I agree. Like, like if this movie came out today, it would, it like, and, Andrew Tate would gravitate heavily towards it. People would be like. and the the strange thing is that someone like andrew tate will do everything that they can to distance themselves like oh i'm not anything like this guy i'm not bad where at the same time they are exuding every quality of that person at the same time (laughs) um so because uh, you know a big thing with andrew tate is he's all about um being a lone wolf getting your money up and then don't chase women, they'll chase you. You're the best, blah, blah, blah. And it's all about isolation and grind culture and like all this bullshit that involves nothing about emotional intelligence, uh, physical health. Like it's just all about like being this like godlike figure that people want to chase. But actually, in reality, nobody wants to chase an emotionally unavailable, completely stunted, um, isolated loser. Nobody wants that. Like, that's the that's the crime of of his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I kind of I mentioned Andrew Tate in the review for kind of a joke, but like, it is true. Like, most of his audience are going to be the type of uh, generally young men that idolize a character like Patrick Bateman um, because they see Patrick Bateman as an isolated, young, attractive, very sexually active man, mm-hmm. and those are all like. Woo, those are fun things. Those are things I want to be. Um, but in reality, like 
they fail to see exactly how horrible he is. Um, they can't see past the fact that he is beautiful and he takes care of himself. And like, while those are good qualities, yes, like um, those qualities are motivated by insecurity and, and internal issues that yeah. need to be worked on. People who are taking the wrong messages are it, like what we said before. They're, they're simply just not getting it. It's going right over yeah. their head. They're seeing yeah. like the good stuff, but not like the reason why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think people who take the angle of like, oh, this, this movie is about hating women. I think that's one side. And then the other side is like people that idolize the character and like where you need to be is in the middle. This movie is not about hating women and this movie is not something to admire. <laughs> yeah. These people are bad, all of them. The every every character that is not a victim in this movie is bad. Like um, you know, Patrick and his finance buddies are self-obsessed, money-obsessed, sex-obsessed, super insecure. Um, the women that they are in relationships with are extremely battered very clearly because they they self-medicate. Like, the girl that he's cheating on Evelyn with is, like, fucking whacked out on Xanax and drinking all the time because she's clearly a battered, abused individual. And that's, like, the whole point of character is to, like show that these actions that these men take are extremely damaging to the domestic setting and to people in general. Like yeah, they're just dude, horrible. There's yeah. like, it, it's implied that every one of these pe- men are they're sleeping with their friends, wives and like girlfriends. Exactly. Yeah. Like toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toxic. And yeah, it's all toxic. And like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything like, oh, it's okay that the women cheat too. It's not. It's actually no, horrible, it's but horrible. it's motivated by a generally like completely emotionally vacant sect of society. Like these people do not give a shit about each other. They're just looking for yeah. the next way to either numb or to escape or whatever or to a, to run away from their abusive existence. Right. Like, yeah. A great point to that is where like when Patrick's like trying or like ends things with evelyn he has to try like multiple times and she's like writing it off right yeah he's like we can't do that you know my friends are your friends and you know yeah just wouldn't work see how shallow that is yeah yeah, it's just like toxic like are you serious like and he's like you know what you can have him i don't care yeah right that's what it takes until she finally realizes oh he's actually oh my god this is serious yeah so like and um yeah there's also that um i'll I'll bring up one little extra thing that i didn't put in my review um the um so the woman that patrick is cheating on evelyn with uh that that lady she's married to that other dude yeah the gay guy yeah um so there's an angle about um homophobia in the movie too because that guy can never come out because if he does he'll be ridiculed and probably ousted from the entire culture exactly. because if he's gay then he's gone. That's, you know what I mean? That's on top yeah. of another toxic masculinity or fragility. Exactly. Actually. Boom. Correct. Like he he is so disgusted that right. He, like he like made it a homo like a, a gay advance towards Patrick. He's mm-hmm. cleaning his gloves that he was going to murder yeah. the guy with. 
Yeah. Like, like he, oh my god, how, yeah. how, how, like, fragile do you have to be? He's yeah. washing the gay off of his gloves. It's like yeah. You can't even touch yeah, him. he's, yeah, he's that, that, yeah, you'll, that's a, that's a very common thing with extremely insecure, especially men who are extremely insecure about their sexuality. Um, if any man makes a gay joke to them or touches them, oh, don't touch me, oh, you fucking, you know, and then they say, you know, they say horrible homophobic slurs and whatever. Um, yeah, that's that's another angle that attacks, like what you said, that fragile masculinity and that extreme toxicity that comes with it. Yep, and to segue off of this, there is, at the end, they're watching a, the Ray, a President Reagan interview about... Um, or like when he talks about like, in what like is God, he talking invading, about? he's talking about like invading some some country or like some some war on something. He's, there's always a war, and like one of his uh, buddy, one of Patrick's buddies, is like, how can he say that? You know, he he's like saying one thing and it means the other. But like, I think he like Reagan is saying something to. Oh, here we go. I found it. Right, uh, uh, hold on. Um. Oh, I just saw it. Hold on. Okay. Uh, when Bateman takes a seat, Ronald Reagan's speech concerning the Iran-Contra crisis plays out on a television set. Yeah. Iran-Contra. So, that whole thing, mm-hmm. and does it mention what his friend says about Reagan? Uh, um, Bryce, uh, Justin Thoreau's character, refers to Reagan as a harmless old codger. But on the inside lies something else, all of which is met with a general derision from the table and Bateman's resignation of his fate that inside the internal truth does not matter. Um, okay, yeah. that, that's it was, a different it was angle. Like a, that's what I was trying to say, too. Is like, like, oh, no, no, here we go. What? I got it. Okay, sorry. It's, it's above it. I keep interrupting. Okay. Reagan, who built his career on honest American values is caught in the middle of a crisis where his administration sold arms to Iran to fund uh, the horrors caused by the ultra-right-wing military factions in Nicaragua. Okay. Yeah. So, go on. And so, when his friend, like, comments about that, he's saying, like, like, how can he say that when he, like, when he's like, it's like a two-faced comment, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't mean that. Yeah. He just wants to, you know, make money and, you know, kill people, Right. It's just like a symbol, like, like it's like a a metaphor for yeah. Reagan and Patrick Bateman. Yeah, the irony is like disgusting because yeah. that guy is sitting there criticizing Reagan for being a hypocritical asshole, and then he himself is a hypocritical asshole. <laughs> yeah, and then his friend. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the, the irony and that, like how. Yeah, that one's funny. That's a good. That's yeah, a good I, little section. <laughs> and I think like right, it's like right after that where like he, it's like the the ending narration where he's like, nothing matters, my my confession has meant nothing. Yeah, like, I, I think that Reagan thing like kind of like triggered that where he, he finally came to his cathartic like r- realization of like anything yep. I do doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, because nothing will happen to him because of this, um, like this critique on American society. Yep, you can be this wealthy white privileged person, commit horrible atrocities. Yes, it won't matter. Correct. Yeah. Because 
everyone wants to protect an interest. That's exactly correct. Because if a poor black man was in the same position as Bateman, did the same things as Bateman, he would be hung. Or, you know, not hung. That's, whoa, sorry. Um, he would be death penalized easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's just, oh, God. It's such a, like, I don't know how people don't get it. It's this is the satire of satire of yeah. our culture. Yeah. yeah. It can be applied to now, even. Absolutely, Weinstein. it can. Yes. Yes. Dude. Yes. Yes. The entire British royal family being connected to that as well. There's like, yeah. there's countless examples of high class white people that get away with everything. Yeah. And now that, like, like, you know, other, like, other, other people of color and race are like, this wealthy it still doesn't matter so now yep. it's more of a privilege and a protecting interest on yep. capital the capitalism is yep. so evil dude. yep so it's got evil it has almost nothing going for it it is complete shit <laughs> and yeah. so like ah uh, i had to watch a couple videos explaining like like the the patrick Bateman ideology or like American Psycho ideology, or like, like just <clears throat> analyzing it because I was like, this movie has me thinking, and that's what I love right. about movies. It makes you yeah. think. Correct. Absolutely. So we really didn't follow this outline, but we talked about <laughs> a lot okay. of things that I, we pretty I, much covered the important stuff for sure. I'm sure we can skim through and yeah, see if we missed I mean, like, anything. Questions of race, ethnicity, gender. We talked yeah. about that. You talked yeah. you talked about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Does this plot revolve on one character? Yes. This whole thing yeah. is on the American psycho, Patrick yeah. Bateman. It, yeah. All, all and all of his personifications through his little friends. Like we don't see their lives as closely, but I'm sure they're quite similar. Yeah, we don't see their morning routine. We don't see what they yeah. do in their downtime. We don't see how they interact with their wives, even. Exactly. We but we can them. assume that it's no different than Patrick's horrific abuse. Exactly. So, <laughs> is there anything else, closing comment on this film, before like, uh, we start to end? Let's see. Um, I thought... <laughs> uh, I think I thought it was kind of strange. I did. I, I watched a little bit about this. Um, how obsessed he is with music when oh he's my like, God, I completely missed that. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. This, this like, uh, metaphor or this a symbolism weird, for music. How does music play into his? He says he doesn't feel his only um, uh, emotions are greed and disgust, but that's also yeah. like hypocritical of him to say or, because he enjoys music. He constantly talks about the music and what it means and yeah. the themes. Yeah. His um his obsession with music is um a sort of character trope. I did some research on this actually. I actually I randomly saw a TikTok video about um movie psychopaths are generally obsessed with music. Um and I thought it was very interesting. Um so if you look to a lot of movie psychopaths, they have very nice audio setups in their house. Like um, the Clockwork Orange guy has like a $40,000 record player in his house or some shit. Like, mm -hmm. um, But a lot of like 
movie psychopaths have a strange obsession with like audio and like music and whatever yeah that um, hannibal lecter guy i remember likes music there you go he loves yeah his music in his jail cell yeah there's another one uh i can't remember it's a the the lead character is a girl i can't i don't know what the movie's called um but she has like this two hundred thousand dollar speaker set up next to her piano and like she's some sort of psychopath and like it's like a common one uh definitely interesting i don't know how it connects to his um well when he plays um huey lewis or whatever in the <laughs> something like that when he kills paul allen yeah the the it, the section the song the section of the song that he plays specifically uh is like a, a symbol not a symbol like it, it's it re- it relates cuz oh i remember yep yep yeah I, go go what's the song called what's the song called hip to be square hip <laughs> to be square i mean that's yeah. like oh my god the square lyrics <laughs> i'm looking this up right now i forgot about this this i figured yeah you you've enlightened me i know that i know what this means now okay i was wondering this about whole, this it's perfectly suited like it, they the director chose a great song to be obsessed with because he's like i like my bands in business suits i watch them on tv i'm working out most every day and i'm watching what i eat yep i don't think that like him as a character enjoys like what am i trying to say (sighs) no 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 there's something else it's like right before he like chops Paul's head off. There's a there's there's a verse that he's saying. That like, oh, what is it? No, damn it. What do you 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 see what I was trying to say, right? Could, I think so. Could you follow up? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll run. Me. I'll try to run with it. Okay. So, the significance of that song specifically. So hip to be square. Let me look at the lyrics. Oh. Uh, to be square it is it it's like saying it's commentating that you know maybe that like it's normal no no i don't know what i was saying i thought i had something <laughs> okay i think what it's saying is that it's cool to fit in oh yeah, yeah. yes yeah it's cool to, to be a sheep oh, okay i don't want to sound like one of those guys it's cool to be it's cool to follow the masses. Yeah, it's hip to be square. He's it's saying... hip to be square. Square being a normie, being a conformist. Yeah. Whatever. And Bateman's entire character is focused on trying to fit in and trying to be cool um, in the eyes of his douchey friends. Um, and he will do anything in his power, including murdering, raping, and abusing women in order to be um in order to, or in order to feel that um that validation the hipness yeah makes sense that's awesome dude i'm glad you pointed that out that was very intelligent yeah i have a list of wow there's a lot of songs that play in this movie but like yeah dude i that okay i even pointed that out in the review um they have some great uh I think I just I just mentioned it really quick. I was like, the soundtrack is great. Um, but like some of the club scenes, like where they're going to the new wave clubs and shit, and they're playing like New Order. I was like, that's awesome, great, great. Yeah, uh, True Faith by New Order. Yeah. 
yeah that's a fantastic song that is a great uh new order is a great new wave band and like i do like you know because i'm kind of a music nerd i like when he you know as brutal as it sounds like when he's like about to murder people i like how in-depth he goes into like the yeah. albums and shit i'm like oh that's interesting like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and, like that's another psychopathic tendency is like yeah. something so like the connection between those two things is like it makes no sense that right. it's psychopathic because mm-hmm. he's so obsessive about it like he yeah. has the i think in that video i watched that that system he has in his in his apartment is like 20k or something and 20k in the 80s is that's big yeah. shit man like holy fuck like that's right? insane and like yeah when he's doing his whole routine is a song called suicide by john kale plays okay that's interesting suicide you know like while he's but i'm trying to i'm finding i want to find the song that he deliberately plays in the movie like for his like victims and himself but right. he also what do you think about this when he walks into the office he's like listening to uh walking on sunshine by katrina and the waves oh, i thought that was so funny <laughs> like i think that was just a bit of comedic relief honestly i don't know do you think it means something i think he's 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 like trying to it's it's his urge to fit in so much that he's like walking on sunshine he's trying to walk on the sunshine you know yeah yeah he uh i can i can see that or maybe he's just like he only listens to suit well because like huey lewis in the news like i don't want to sound pretentious but like huey lewis in the news is pretty like like pop like it was like a lot of people liked it it was like charting music same with walking on sunshine that's a charting song yeah i think his music taste is so basic because that helps him fit in more maybe maybe i I don't want to sound like a douchebag saying like his music is like people who like pop music are bad like i just i don't think that's true but like when his music taste is very like surface level. He doesn't surface. like any deep cuts or any like interesting. Yeah. Uh huh. When he's in the car, when he's in the cab with his fiance Evelyn, he's listening yep. to "Simply Irresistible" by Robert Palmer. Okay. And like, like the stuff that like the director chose for his character to listen to is like, I I could you could try and like look deeper into it, sort of. Simply irresistible. Right. His whole, this whole, the whole theme of the movie, like his desire to be irresistible to everybody and to women, you know. I agree. Yes. Yep. What else? Um. Let's see. Music for eighteen cents is. Um. I found. Hold on. Uh... Soundtrack. Where. Um, like the hall, the door to the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a cure song in this movie? Interesting. Oh, there's a whole thing on. There's a big paragraph on "Hit to Be Square." He flaunts it in front of Paul. The first song is described with the catchy single "Hit to Be Square" from Hugh Lewis in the new second album. Four is seen as significant for Patrick's lengthy critique of Hugh Lewis's career and the hidden meanings behind this particular track. In the middle of the song, Patrick dons his raincoat and listens acts for scene that defines the movie as he murders Paul. Yeah, there's that. Um, 
but no, there's something else that like I wanted to like the the music thing. I can't really like, delve deep into like why as a murderer, like a psychopath, that he like likes to is really interested in music. Yeah, I think it's got to be. I don't know. I think it's mostly just because he really likes pop, and pop is like the most accessible genre, meaning that that helps him fit in and be the most normal um, in order to satiate his his lack of self. Like, he can't develop his own personality, so he only listens to the most generic pop music so he can fit in the best with other people. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my best guess. I thought the walking on sunshine part was just him. Like, I thought that was just a joke. Like, yeah, I mean, I was no, this like, crazy, like, this crazy motherfucker, like who murders people in the nighttime. He's like in the office. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. That just made me laugh. <laughs> During that point, I don't know if it's revealed that like, he's just like, he's some murderer. But at this point, I think when that happens, he's just kind of like some douche who's listening to walk, like walking. On yeah. Sunshine, some business douche. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, good catch on the music front because I did want to discuss that too. So I was like, since you're into music, but yeah, there's it, it's a big, good soundtrack. Get out of that. It is good. Yeah, they have some very uh, some like kind of I wouldn't say like really obscure stuff, but like definitely they they really grab the the new wave uh the new wave movement of the of New York from that day because that was like the that was big time like that's what people were into in that especially in new york because uh talking heads kind of birthed that genre and that's they came from new york you know what i mean yeah like true you know that song psycho killer yeah that's that's like early new wave and they're from new york so that's like super timely super on point with the location too yeah so now we're on to the final final, i think of anything final sayings on this movie anything else you got Mm. uh no i think we got everything yeah what about you do you have anything else it's a good movie but it is. <laughs> take away. Be careful what you take away from it. There you go. That's what we want. Yeah. Like, take away the right message. Take away the right message. It's not a sla- It's not supposed to be some generic slasher film like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. It has a, more a than narrative. That. Take away the right message from it. Yes. But with that, let's decide what we're gonna watch next. That's a great idea. Um, Did you have any ideas? Because I, I remember um, this one. Hold on. Let me go back. I'm looking at my review. Talking about Evil Dead. Yeah, we could we could do Evil Dead. All right. Uh, you do the first one or you want to do the 2013 remake? Um, let's see. Evil Dead film series. Sorry, I haven't seen the remake. I've only seen the first three. Okay. Um, Evil Dead. Hold up. Let me find it. Uh, 
2013. All right, what can I stream you? Because I think the first three movies were directed by Sam Raimi, who made the Spider-Man films. Oh, that's cool. The original one? Yeah, the original, original. one, the sequel, and the threequel. Now, what's the remake? Okay. I'm interested, so... What we that's what we can do. You watch the remake, and I'll watch it too. We'll discuss it, and then let's we can watch the original Evil Dead and see and see what you think about that. Okay, that sound good. Sure. All right, because Evil Dead Rise came out in theaters, so we can also talk about that. Oh, dude, Evil Dead. Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 is like the best. I love Evil Dead 2 from 1986 or something. Yeah, I see that here. We got this. I, I, I bought like the, um, whenever I really like a movie, I'll buy the like director's cut or like ex, like editions, of physical editions of the movies that has like the, um, the background documentaries or like interviews and stuff like that just so i can know more. yeah the commentary and stuff commentaries and stuff yeah, yeah. that's what i did with the godfather i had to we gotta watch the godfather have you seen that i have not and i know that's super famous too all right evil dead 2013 thread okay okay Cool. That will be next episode. Hmm. All right. All right. Next episode. It will die a remake. Not a remake. I think just a reboot. Not a remake. Yeah. 2013. Gotcha. All right. That's when we're end it. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this jumbled discussion of American Psycho. First of hopefully many reviews and stuff but if there's an interesting like gaming topic we want to discuss we'll do that too it's kind of what we're, what we decide to do honestly because it's our show do what we want correct it is the 34th episode catch us for episode 35 have a good week month and year people bye bye stop watching andrew tate <laughs> yes <laughs>